prejudice, bias, discrimination, inequality. Whether you're a victim or a perpetrator of these, join me on this journey of creating an inclusive corporate world. We're tackling taboo topics and breaking workplace stigma one episode at a time. This is Tea and Talks with Tina. I'm your host, Tina Rahman. Today we talk about all things sleep. I'm joined by Dr Lindsay Browning, who is a sleep and insomnia specialist, who also works towards finding out why insomnia happens and how to treat this. Now, you might be listening to this and you might be thinking, sleep is for the weak. And what's the point in sleeping when you can use that time to really make something of yourself? Or if you're someone like me, you think that I can actually survive and function on very, very little sleep. But actually, as human beings, we have never considered the medical impacts of lack of sleep. You might be a CEO who travels a lot or you might be somebody who likes to watch movies all night and just wake up and go to work. But when we can't see the effects that lack of sleeping is having on our body, we choose to ignore it. Today we're going to find out some amazing facts about sleep and why it's good for you and also some very disturbing facts around what lack of sleep does. Enjoy. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Browning, for um, spending your time talking to me today. I really, really can't wait to get stuck in. Um, I will, of course, do an intro um, before I post this, but please do tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Sure, yeah. So um, I'm I'm Dr. Lindsay Browning, and I'm a chartered psychologist, and I specialise in sleep. So helping people who have sleeping problems, um, educating people how to improve their sleep and on the importance of sleep and I um, see individual clients of all ages as well as going into organizations and talking about you know, sleep in sort of webinars and workshops that kind of thing my uh, my doctorate was from the University of Oxford specifically treated looking at treatment and um, causes of insomnia so that's my specialism that is your specialism I did a lot of reading about you I'm so fascinated with everything that you've been involved in um you know you you look at drug-free intervention Mm -hmm. and I love that you look at all ages so from adult insomnia you've got different packages you know your um cognitive behavioral therapy you know insomnia sessions um, all the way to children and teens um corporate webinars and I think it's absolutely amazing that you're literally all rounded which is why I was so like to speak to you but you are or you have written a book you've published uh, an amazing book haven't you Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, in March this year, yeah, my book came out, uh, Navigating Sleeplessness. It's a sort of self-help book. It's very, it's designed to be very easy to read. Um, I sort of wrote it as if I was talking to my clients. So it's very, it has a lot of science in there, but in a really easy to understand way and lots of practical tips, um, just talking about why you might be struggling with sleep and all sorts of different causes that might be, you know, the reason that you're not sleeping well and some things that you can do about it. Yeah, so I wrote it. The publishers approached me at the beginning of um, lockdown uh, 2020 and said, yeah, we're looking for a sleep person to write a book about sleep. So I was like, yeah, great. That'd be, I'd love to do that. That um, is amazing. Yeah, I didn't appreciate how hard it would be to do that whilst homeschooling and dealing with the coronavirus wow. pandemic, but got it done. So that's good. Wow, that's incredible that they've um, approached you. It's such a good opportunity to kind of get everything that you know out there in a different format so I'm actually really looking forward to buying your book and actually having a read so Mm -hmm. you're obviously a sleep expert you look at insomnia and what's wowed me is you look at the um, you you look at the studies behind it so um, you know the behavioral therapy etc but let's break it down from the start perhaps Um, what is a good night's sleep is it just you know we hear about eight hours of sleep a day but is that mm-hmm. the only determinating factor of what a good night's sleep is sure so there's a this consensus really is that um the national sleep foundation came up with a list of sort of different amounts of sleep that you might need depending on how old you are and for a working age adult so somewhere between 18 and 64 um, they recommended somewhere between seven and nine hours a night to get all the benefits that sleep gives you. Because, you know, when CEOs and, and important busy people might think that sleep you know, is something that can be sacrificed because it's a bit of a waste of time. You can't be doing anything useful. So the less you can sleep, the better. But the point mm. is, when we sleep, our bodies are repairing. It's so, so important. Um, and all the studies and science show that if you're regularly getting somewhere between seven and nine hours a night, 
um, or a day, that that is going to give you all the benefits. But what's really important about that that sort of range is that it's not a magical eight hours is the right number. You might only mm. need seven or even slightly less, to be fair, um, or you might need nine hours a night. And if you need nine hours sleep every day, but you're only give, getting eight because you read somewhere that eight is the right amount, then in reality, you're, you're having a one hour sleep deficit every single day. But if you only need seven and you're trying to get eight because, you know, that's what you read, uh, then every single day you're going to be struggling to sleep for an extra hour that you don't need. So it's really mm. important to listen to your own body and how much sleep you need to feel rested and refreshed the next day. That's really important. Wow, that's a that was actually um, one of the things that I was thinking about because people, uh, I went into um, an organisation once and somebody said, you know, I, I think I sleep eight hours a day sometimes, you know, give or take an hour. Um, but they don't feel refreshed. So, mm -hmm. you know, as you just said, you know, you know, somebody might need eight hours, but is only getting seven. So therefore, you know, that, that one hour a day lack of sleep means they're suffering in other, other parts of their life. But how do how would one know that they actually need the eight if they mm -hmm. get in the seven? You know, is there a feeling that they have when they wake up? You know, do they feel you no? Know, does it actually affect their productivity? Uh, yeah, it absolutely does. So I would say that the second you wake up in the morning is not the best time to try and figure out if you slept enough. Because okay. when we wake up, the second we wake up, we'll feel really awake and alert or still quite groggy, depending on where we are in our sleep cycle, because we have different kinds of sleep. And you know, if you've ever been woken up at one in the morning by your child or a, a fire alarm, sometimes you'll wake up at one in the morning and you'll feel like death. You'll be like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Other times you might wake up and you'll feel remarkably awake and refreshed. Mm. It doesn't mean that you've had enough sleep. It just means that you've woken up from a lighter or a deeper part of sleep. So in the morning, that's really important because lots of people think that when they wake up, if they still feel groggy at that moment, that maybe they haven't slept enough. But actually, right. it probably just means that they've woken up from a deeper part of sleep. So the best thing to do is once you've had your night's sleep, get up have a cup of tea, cup of coffee. Um, think about how you feel about 20 minutes after you wake up, because then the sleep inertia will have gone. And if you are getting the right amount of sleep, then you should be able to go through the day without feeling, you know, overly sleepy. Most people have a sort of dip in the afternoon, just after lunch. That's quite normal to have a bit right. of a, a, a lull. Yeah, but as long course. as you get through the day, yeah, feeling feeling relatively good until the next evening, then that's probably enough sleep. If you are getting, you know, nine, 10, 11 hours sleep every day, but still feeling tired through the day, then that's a sign that the sleep that you're getting isn't good enough quality and that there right. are certain things that might be happening. Like sleep apnea is, is the most common cause of that. Mm. Well, that's interesting because um, I was going to actually ask you, is, is too much sleep also mm -hmm. bad? But obviously it depends on the quality of sleep and no, REM sleep or whatever it is I guess um in in the case that somebody does sleep 10 hours a day but they've mm -hmm. had good quality sleep or you know deep sleep REM sleep whatever it is um is that damaging because they're kind of over what the benchmark is for the category they fall into yeah so that's a really interesting question so the science shows that if you get significantly less than six and a half hours sleep regularly, or you get significantly more than nine regularly, that that's um, associated with poor health outcomes. Now, that's complicated because it could be that if you're sleeping more than nine hours a night regularly, it could be because you're sick. And, mm. you know, when we're sick, we need more sleep. Um, or you could be depressed. And when we're depressed, we can sometimes have, have ex excessive sleep. But if you are having um, more than nine hours because you're really active, maybe you're really physically active or you've had a period of time when you didn't get enough sleep, maybe you were you know, flying places, jet lagged, working really hard, then you might need a bit of extra sleep to catch up. So we're really mm. talking about if you're getting lots of sleep regularly all the time and you're mm. still not feeling refreshed, that's, that's a sign that something's wrong. Um, and generally speaking, regularly sleeping for 10 11 hours a night isn't um scientifically 
a good thing generally if unless you're an athlete or there's something else going on it's generally a sign that you're probably there's a reason that you're sleeping too much which might be that your body's fighting an illness or something else is going on Mm. that's quite interesting what you said about regular sleep because people who do shift work for example Mm -hmm. um they might be getting in a good amount of sleep and a good quality of sleep you know per period of their shift but the fact that they have to keep changing their sleeping patterns even if they're getting good sleep and all the rest of it is that quite damaging compared to somebody who has the same sleeping pattern every day that's really interesting actually um because people who work shifts especially night shifts um they that's associated with much worse health outcomes so you're more likely to have um cancer digestive issues um, early mortality shift work is is really not a good thing in fertility issues in some countries women aren't even allowed to work shifts because of the fertility issues It's, it's really but uh, why that is the cause is often because when someone's working shifts, they tend to get significantly less sleep in the 24 hour period than people who don't work shifts. Right. So it, it doesn't seem to be that people who work shifts still get seven to nine hours just in random times. It tends to be that people who work shifts tend to get five hours sleep regularly. Mm. Say. And that's probably the reason that, for these really poor health outcomes. And we, the science sort of shows that when you get your sleep isn't as important as how much and the quality of it. So if you get seven, eight hours sleep in one block, or you get four hours sleep, um, and then several hours later, you get another four hours sleep. That's just as good. It doesn't have to be in one block. So that's not the issue. The issue with shift work tends to be that people have less sleep. Often it's because they are distracted by um, life. So, you know, basically if you're working shift, your your family will still be at school. You, you, you might want to go and watch your kids in a play or you might want to go out socializing with your friends and going to sleep at those times seems like, oh, I don't really want to go to sleep. It's the middle of the day and all this mm. fun stuff's happening. So people will sacrifice sleep to still do the, the other stuff. And then also you get the the difficulty that it's harder to sleep during the day if your circadian rhythm thinks it's daytime because your circadian rhythm Mm. is your 24-hour clock. And obviously when you're working shifts and changing it around, it can be harder to sleep um, when the sun is bright and it's two in the afternoon compared to uh, midnight when it's dark outside and your body thinks it's actually time to sleep. Wow. We we never really think about those medical effects that, lack of sleep has on us and you know with everything that you said it makes me wonder you know we've got you know for example um you know frontline NHS nurses Mm -hmm. um for example um who are doing shift work around the clock how can they help themselves then because it's you know it's all good and well to say right you go home and you just sleep because you're tired you've just done a 12-hour night shift but what can anyone do? I'm not even just nurses. You have, you know, all these busy corporates in working for big London organisations mm-hmm. who just find it difficult to switch off, even if it's 8pm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I do a lot of work with like the aviation industry and uh, mm. you know, the police, the NHS. So, you know, I do a lot of work with people who work shifts. And there's a few things that are helpful. So first of all, light is really important because um, light physical you know seeing the sunshine getting light exposure helps to tell our bodies the difference between night and day and that regulates our circadian rhythm and as i touched on our circadian rhythm is our internal 24-hour clock Mm. and our circadian rhythm inside of our bodies is what tells our bodies when to produce melatonin to make us go to sleep when to produce hormones when to produce digestive enzymes it controls the timing of all sorts of things now if you're working um, shifts, uh, either rotating shifts or you know n- full block of nights and then full block of days, your circadian rhythm is is in the wrong time zone from the time zone that you're living in. So the one of the best things to do is to use light to your advan- advantage. Um, if you are working night shifts, then clearly during the night there isn't any light, <laughs> natural light. Mm. So you need to create light. So make sure that uh, in the environment that you're in, if you're in an office, maybe think about, you know, does your workplace have um, 
bright sort of daylight mimicking bulbs that they could use so that you're mm. getting lots of bright light in the middle of the day. Um, if you are, when you're, when you're nearing the end of your shift and uh, say, for example, you know, you're nearing the end of your shift and it's seven in the morning, there's lots of light going to be happening in the real world outside. Now, you don't want to see that light because you, it's your nighttime. You want to go home and go to bed. So if you leave the workplace and you go out into the bright sunshine, your brain is going to go, oh, look, it's morning. Look how much sunshine there is. We should definitely wake up right now. So it's a good idea to you know, wear sunglasses. As easy as that. When you're going home from your night shift, put shades on. Uh, you can go as far as getting the blue light goggles. Um, but, you know, sunglasses are also helpful and a lot cheaper. I'm a big fan of, you know, not spending money when you don't need to. Obviously, yeah, if you do have money to burn, definitely get blue light goggles. They're great. But otherwise, sunglasses is absolutely fine. Are um, they a lot more expensive then compared to normal sunglasses? Well, it depends. You know, it's just people, you probably have sunglasses already. You know, you'd have yeah. to go buy them, mm. buy the blue light goggles. Um, yeah. So when you get home in the morning, shut the curtains, even though it's daytime, you know, shut the curtains so that you're mimicking night because we want that darkness to help our bodies to produce melatonin and help you go to sleep. Mm. And then in the evening, uh, when you're about to start your next night shift, start putting the lights on, you know, do the exact opposite. Try and mimic what would happen in your normal day. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's a helpful thing. Um, that's and, really good, I think. Yeah. Um, I, what you said about the daylight mimic, mimicking bulbs and the blue light goggles, mm -hmm. that's really kind of... I had a, 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 a thought or question in my mind, what can employers do to help? But it's as simple as that, offer these types of resources or tools for people that have to do shift work. Yeah. It's not enough to say, <clears throat> right, you've got to do shift work and there you go, you just got to get on with it and age yourself. You know, it, it's beneficial to provide them, you know, the bulbs that they need or the goggles that they need to help them because yeah. effectively, you know, staff are the the main asset to any business, really. Definitely. And another thing that, that is really helpful in, in businesses that have people doing shifts is to give them some kind of education on managing sleep and shift work. Mm. And obviously, that, you know, that's what I do. But genuinely, um, it's really helpful because a lot of time when people are working shifts, because they're fighting their circadian rhythm, because they're fighting all sorts of natural sleep abilities, they can start to struggle to fall asleep during the day. Mm. And then they can start to, in essence, have worry that they can't sleep, develop insomnia. Insomnia being a difficulty falling or staying asleep. So if you educate your staff as to good sleep practices, how to manage when you can't sleep, how to maximize your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep, then they're going to find sleep a lot easier, mm. um, which makes them, yeah, there's so much evidence to show that you know, when you're sleep deprived, you make more errors. You know, I did some work with um, a agency and you know, when people are, um, are sleep deprived, they, they are more risk-taking you know, and then less observant. So if you've got staff who are security guards, for example, then if they're sleep deprived, they're, they're less likely to, um, to spot what's going on and also more likely to take bribes <laughs> to, be, mm. to be frank because you're you're um, more likely to to do that kind of risk-taking behavior if you're sleep deprived and that's not well, what that's, you want in yourself yeah I mean that's so interesting because even though uh, an, an adult and a human being is responsible for their own actions depending on what's happened and what's the cause of those actions it could be the organization at fault of you know perhaps not providing that awareness mm. and I think you know, definitely I agree with what you're saying. I think all businesses, particularly those that, you know, have staff that have to do shift work should provide that knowledge. But I think all businesses in general, because in life, you just don't know what people go through. And I've heard comments before from stakeholders, business owners saying, what people go through in their personal life is nothing to do with me. They're contracted to work here, right. you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday. And that's, I don't need to know anything else. But that is not, again, that is damaging, not to just the business and its people, but also it can damage reputation because businesses are held accountable for things that they refuse to acknowledge. And sleep yeah. is one of them because you might have somebody who, you know, isn't productive at work, but perhaps they feel as though their employer doesn't address these what I would call a taboo topic because it still is in the work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, so they, you know, it could be the employer's, you know, 
responsibility or you know a fault of of theirs where you know they they've got such a, a negative culture where people are afraid to say right don't give me disciplinary for having low productivity because actually my low productivity is because you're putting too much stress on me I can't sleep and I'll come back into work the next day and just make the same mistakes yeah absolutely yeah and um that that's really one of the major things that happens in in everyday in everyday life and um which is one of the things that I said uh, when I uh, when we started the conversation is the narrative and the thought processes of business owners who think that you know a lot of them I speak to will, will have said to me you know I, I got to where I am today because you know I worked around the clock and um, I didn't mm-hmm. you know when I could have slept I chose to carry on persevere make something of myself that's where I you know I'm here today, 15 years later. But what's your comments around that? Because does that, is that the, you know, is it because they didn't sleep and they use that time to be productive? You know, you know, that's led them to, you know, where they are today or, you know, what's your, what's your comments? What do you think about that? Sure. That's really, um, the whole culture of sleep is for the week. You know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Uh, you know, that successful business people don't sleep is, is really damaging and it's, and I, I would say that it's it's old school. It's going the other way. Just like, you know, recently, over the last few years, mental health has come to the forefront. People are taking it seriously. Mm. Even, you know, um, you know, Prince William and, and, and footballers and people are talking about mental health because it's important and similar. 15, 20 years ago, People didn't think about sleep, that it was beneficial. It just was seen as uh, an inconvenience. But there is so much science that we have discovered and realized that sleep is absolutely vital um, in the same way that exercise and healthy eating. Now, we successful people uh, probably will be putting uh, their health first and going to the gym. Yeah. They might get up extra earlier and, and go to the gym for an hour before work. They'll be having healthy smoothies. They'll be eating healthily. But if they're still, but if not sleeping as well, then they're undoing all of that goodness. Because if you don't sleep enough regularly, now we're not talking short term, we're not talking about new parents, or mm. if you're going through a crisis situation, or there are always times in our lives when we don't get enough sleep short term, mm. because mm. something's happening. But long term, if you're making the choice long term to curtail your sleep, you are almost certainly doing damage to yourself. Now, Maggie Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, they famously got by on very little sleep. They both developed Alzheimer's. Now there is evidence, scientific evidence to show that if you don't sleep enough, you, you are more likely to have Alzheimer's. And the mechanism for that, which is absolutely fascinating, is uh, that the cause of Alzheimer's we believe is um, this thing called amyloid plaques, which are these sticky sort of debris that build up in your brain. Think about your brain as if your brain was uh, your bathroom. And if you don't clean your bathroom, you get sticky, icky bits just in your bathroom, don't you? The, mm. the surfaces start to get a bit, ugh. Uh, so you clean your bathroom, the bathroom's lovely. Your brain is like that. Your brain, over time, uh, gets sticky, icky bits called amyloid plaques that just sort of clog up your brain. Now, when we sleep, your brain is physically washed with your cerebrospinal fluid, but there was neuroimaging studies showing this physical, that your, your spine has cerebrospinal fluid, the uh, fluid physically washes over your brain, physically washing away the amyloid plaques. It is literally spring cleaning your brain during sleep. Wow. If you don't sleep enough, your brain doesn't have time to do that basically. Just like uh, if we're busy, we don't clean our bathroom. You know, that's not the priority. If, you, if you've got sick kids and you've got a big project at work, your bathroom is is not going to be your priority. You're going to sort the kids out and your job. And that's fine in the short term. But if you're doing that for weeks and months and years, you just imagine how disgusting your bathroom is going to be. I love that. I love that. <laughs> that makes complete sense. And I think it, it puts things into perspective because, you know, it's exactly that over time, the damage is being caused and yeah. that's fact absolutely um, um i think um people listening to this part um i hope that it, you know if anything stays with them it's it's exactly what you just said i think that's incredible um 
so there's different types of um, kind of sleep defects, if that's the word, or you know, mm-hmm. conditions. Insomnia is your expertise. I'm fascinated around this. This t- for for people who are listening, who you know use the term, you know, I'm you know I've got insomnia quite loosely. We don't actually know what it means, but when people use it loosely and throw the word around in their workplace because they've, you know, they're working on a big project, so they didn't sleep. You know, what are they saying? What does insomnia actually mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, And I, I obviously use the term forgetting that people don't really understand it necessarily. So the word insomnia just means that you have a problem falling asleep. You have a problem staying asleep or you have a problem that you wake up too early in the morning before you wanted to and that that results in you feeling tired during the day Mm. it's not just the case that um if you take ages to fall asleep but um but then you you're absolutely fine uh that's not necessarily insomnia it has to have an impact on your day and to do to have a sort of clinical definition of insomnia it Mm. needs to take you at least 30 minutes to fall asleep or you need to be awake for at least 30 minutes during the night, or you need to wake up at least 30 minutes earlier than your ideal wake time um, for at least three nights a week. Um, and that's just because sometimes there are some people who can fall asleep just like that. You know, you might have a partner and they fall asleep within seconds and it takes you 20 minutes to fall asleep. 20 minutes is normal, actually. Um, mm. Normal normal sleepers take 10, 15, 20 minutes to fall asleep. So we can't expect that we're going to fall asleep instantly but it shouldn't take you 45 minutes an hour to fall asleep. That is too long. And that ends up people getting frustrated. You're tossing and turning. You're getting, oh my goodness, this is so annoying. I'm wasting my time. And that's that's insomnia. And that can turn into people being very, very anxious and very upset with right. their lack of sleep and feeling chronically tired during the day because by the time they eventually got to sleep, they still had to get up at seven for work and they've only had three, four hours sleep. Mm. and that's where the uh, the issues sort of come from so it's actually quite I would say serious because sleeping is a natural part of a human life you know I mean in an animal's life even so um, any other animal so you know if, if you're having trouble then that would mean that there needs to be something that one can do to help themselves and we spoke about kind of shift work and you know making the room dark or mimicking daylight etc but what about things like you know we're not going to get into nutrition but what about diet is there something that someone can do as easy as diet because again a human has to eat it's another mm-hmm. natural part of our you know our, our being is there something we can do is it like a herbal tea that we can have you know that helps sure. sleep um well Sometimes people's sleeping issues can be uh, because of a lack of certain vitamins or nutrients. So if you don't have enough iron, for example, then you can have a thing called restless legs, which makes your legs feel really achy and annoying when you're trying to fall asleep. And they feel really achy and you keep having to move them and that stops you falling asleep. Um, sometimes um, a lack of magnesium or, or vitamin D can, can sort of make your sleep not, not as good as it could be. But the most most of the time that people aren't sleeping, it's it's not something that um, a pill is going to fix. It's much more likely to be caused by your brain being overactive, your anxiety levels being too high, that that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but another reason people maybe might struggle to sleep in the night is is hunger. To be fair, and that's uh, especially in children. If you're giving your kids uh, tea at uh, yeah, five o'clock, half or five, like you always have done when they were two and three, that's what you do. And But as your children get older, sometimes par- as parents, we don't reassess and change that. And once they are like eight, nine, 10 years old, if they're still having their, their main meal of the day at half or five, but then going to bed at nine, that's a really long time to have not eaten anything. And sometimes children can start to struggle to sleep because frankly, they're just hungry because we haven't um, realized that actually we need to change meal times to match it. Mm. So I guess, you know, eating properly, I mean, you know, it, it might not make somebody fall asleep as quick as it would having a sleeping pill, but it does help. And probably, you know, that's that might be another thing that, you know, us humans, you know, probably 
put to the side um when we're busy when we you know when we're working we've got you know you know jobs to to go into into projects to complete Mm so um what about actually vitamins or supplements is 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 there I mean you hear it you know you turn on the telly and there's always you know something new you know when it comes to the health side of things um is there actually a pill that helps you or not a pill a vitamin that helps you go to sleep that isn't a sleeping pill not really no um I, I would say if you have a deficiency then that's not good. So I, you know, ideally, you'd want to like a blood test from your doctor, make sure there's nothing going on, because there are all sorts of things that could be a problem. But it's not as easy as, oh, if you just take extra vitamin C, you'll sleep fine. Or if you, you know, if if you have a deficiency, then yes, taking extra is going to help you. But there's no point just supplementing for the sake of it. It's not you know, if it were that easy, I promise you, I wouldn't be doing my job with psychological <laughs> therapy. I'd be like, oh, here, have this magical sleepy spray, then you'll yeah. sleep be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, things like iron deficiency, like I mentioned before. Um, but if you're a, a man, for example, uh, you, you can't take, you shouldn't take uh, just an iron supplement because that can be dangerous to have too much iron. So it is important to speak to your GP and sort of check out uh, your your vitamin iron levels um, and if you do need if they are in the good zone or not right I think that's quite important as well because iron could be damaging on a lot of side of things not just sleep it's you know literally you know people with them I mean correct me if I'm wrong because you're obviously the medical professional here but um you know iron deficiencies can um result in lack of productivity because people are feeling lethargic you know chronic fatigue mm-hmm, is that is that correct yeah yes yeah yeah, and, um, um, yeah so it, it's nice to know that sleep can somewhat um make a little bit of a difference with obviously in combination but you know sleeping pills anyway is mm-hmm. that you know dangerous if somebody was to be reliant on it mm-hmm. sure so there are different kinds of sleeping pills so there is the sort of the over-the-counter herbal not really herbal but like the antihistamine ones like nitol other brands are available um so those ones that are available just from the, the pharmacy over the counter or there are doctor prescribed um proper sleeping pills uh, like zopiclone which is the most common one and then you also can get antidepressants used as um sleeping aids like um amitriptyline mirtazapine um so <clears throat> The over-the-counter herbal, not herbal, sorry, I keep saying herbal, uh, the over-the-counter um, antihistamine type ones, you know, they're they're very low risk, they're available over the counter, but they're not a long-term solution. What they do is obviously antihistamine, um, it has a drowsy agent, so they'll just help you feel a bit drowsy, which if your sleeping difficulty, your, your insomnia, um, is short-term and you just need a little bit of help, then... Yeah, they can be helpful just to sort of help you through uh, a little bit of a difficult time. And then once the stress has gone away, your sleep goes back to normal. But mm. they cannot be used as a long term fix because you become reliant on them. You become tolerant to them. So they stop working, basically. The same thing with um, so Zopiclone, the, the doctor prescribed sleeping pills. Now, the nice guidelines are that you should only be on them for a maximum of 14 days. Now, if someone has chronic insomnia that they're dealing with for years, 14 days sleeping pills is pointless Mm. (laughs) and the reason that that is the case is because you become so tolerant um to the medication so quickly and by tolerant i mean the first day you take the pill it'll work brilliantly um but after a few days your body your brain chemistry is adapting to that pill and stopping it working because it's combating it so it won't work as effectively so you might need to take more pills and then when you stop taking them then you have rebound insomnia where you're you you actually have terrible sleep because your brain is now missing the drug that it was taking mm. uh, so yes the gps are are really strict on or becoming much stricter on prescribing that kind of sleep medication very very short term mm. but if you're somebody who is really struggling with their sleep and you're desperate that is you know really scary I mean, what do you mean i can only have help for two weeks i mean that's yeah. not but the nice guidelines yeah, the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, they suggest that the best treatment for sleeping difficulties for insomnia is CBTI, which is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy for Insomnia. And there is 
so much science to prove that, that it is absolutely the best treatment because it, it helps to fix the insomnia and gives you the tools so that you know how to deal with poor sleep and that you won't ever um, get yourself in that position again. Mm. You know, my, my clients that I help, my goal is to never see them again. You know, I, as much as they're lovely, <laughs> you know, this is not like being a masseuse or, um, you know, giving people facials when you they come back and come back and come back. You know, CBTI is designed to, to fix you and give you all the tools and techniques so that when you have another blip in your sleep in the future, which you will, because everyone does, because unfortunately, rubbish happens to us. You know, oh. you, you might get a, a bad health diagnosis or you might lose your job or you know something happens and your sleep will go wrong naturally. Oh. And that's what's normal. But if you have had CBTI, you know, OK, I know how to fix my sleep. I know what to do. I'm not going to make um, behavioral changes that will make it worse. I will make good choices and then your sleep recovers. So, yeah. Um, that was a very long answer to your question. I'm very sorry. No, no, I'm I'm listening with so much concentration. I'm everything that you're saying is I'm, I'm storing it in my mind because you know everyone's going to find this so useful. Um, no matter where you know what type of background um you have, whether you work, whether you don't, whether you're a single mom, whether you're a busy corporate professional, it doesn't matter because you know one thing we all have in common is sleep and the fact that we need it. So it's going to um, it's going to absolutely help. And, you know, I, I love what you just said. You know, your goal is to, you know, after, you know, the treatment's done to never see your patients again. Yeah. Because, you know, your therapy is designed to help because it is cognitive behavioral therapy. You're tapping into, you know, the cognitive mind of you. It's incredible. Um, you know, that you, you can do that. And, you know, you're such a professional in in, in your field. Um, I'm a so terrible I business person, though. I mean, it's a terrible business model. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but your patients definitely do thank you for it I'm sure absolutely sure um I want to know um what it means when you know somebody says you know I, I know we spoke about the medical effects that lack of sleep has but mm -hmm. as a human being why is there such a small percentage of people who have survived for uh, you know survived with two hours sleep a night for the whole of their life with no seemingly no medical conditions yeah. and no you know effects on their productivity they go into work and their managers won't even know that they've not slept for the whole of their life yeah what is, so, what um, is that so there is actually uh, a thing called there's a, there's a short sleeper gene now it's very rare so there are some people who genuinely oh. need very very little sleep wow um, but it's much rarer than you think and if you're somebody who is is only getting four hours sleep a night because you know you you think that you need to sacrifice sleep to do better in in your productivity in your life um and think, well maybe I, that's me that's probably me mm. it probably isn't you <laughs> you, know, mm. you i really would implore you to to think about how important sleep is for your overall health you know if you take your diet seriously and you take your exercise level seriously take your sleep seriously as well please um and yeah maybe you're one of these rare people with this super short sleeper gene but you're probably not mm, yeah that's the thing i think um people perhaps do think that they are but um mm -hmm. i mean it's incredible that they you know think that not, they're not being affected in any type of way that's probably quite concerning because then does it mean that they can't see the warning signals yeah and it's actually like they should have seen mm -hmm. weeks ago yeah, but when you're not sleeping enough uh, you and you're busy working stressed, your cortisol levels, your adrenaline are you know really high. And that makes you not feel sleepy because it's okay. over, it's compensating for that and it's keeping you going. But, you know, if we know what damage living with elevated cortisol long term does to our bodies, it's, okay. you know, we, biologically, we are designed to be able to cope with little sleep and in stressful situations because in our you know, evolutionarily we would have had to face times when we couldn't sleep for days because our cave was surrounded by a wild pack of wolves that might attack our family so we have to stay awake for several days to fight them all off so of course we're able to do that but long term and if you're making that choice you know, there is a, a price to pay at, at some point and it may not be now but it may be a bit later when 
potentially you might get Alzheimer's or have a, you know, scientifically, statistically, you're likely to have a, an earlier death if you're not sleeping enough. Wow. The right amount of time. That's quite serious. I mean, that in itself should be reason alone for people to start thinking about really valuing their sleep and, you know, whatever good sleep means for them. And mm-hmm. it's actually quite scary to, to think about, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> no, no, I think th- th- that's the thing. It, it's like like we say and with the work that you do, it's all awareness, isn't it? And um, if, we, if we don't know, then we don't know. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And that's the saying as it goes. And... Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, white noise and pink noise. I think that's a thing, mm-hmm. pink noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, is what does that do? Because I'll be honest with you, right? Let's let's bring my personal thing into the mix. Um, I at one point thought that I couldn't sleep unless I had, I don't know, YouTube on in the background. I had had no idea what I'd be watching, but just that bit of noise. I don't know if that kind of falls into the white noise category, but just that's you know f- because you know the fact that there was something around me really helped me to go to sleep. But others say you know I need to you know I need to hear the sound of a hoover or the sound of the ocean or something. But scientifically, medically, cognitively, if that's a word, um, what is that doing to someone, and why do they feel like they need this? Yeah, sure. So um, things like white noise, white noise machines give you all sorts of different frequencies of sound in the background, a bit like um, the static on the television that we would mm. have had. Um, and, and babies, there's a lot of white noise machines for babies. And some people like to sleep with, with this sound in the background. Now, there, it depends on, that's so a lot of what I'm saying is like, it depends on, but it depends on why, the reason that you're listening to this sound. Now, if you are... Um, in a situation where, like in a hospital, you're sleeping in a hospital or, you're, or your, your house is next to a fire station and throughout the night you'll hear random loud sirens going off, that kind of thing, or in a hospital lots of beeping sounds, then those beeping sounds and sirens can wake you up and disrupt your sleep. In which case, a white noise machine that will kind of mask, be a background, so that those sounds, you, you can't really register them because they're kind of masked by the sound. That can be really helpful. If you have tinnitus, when you know, tinnitus is that um, when you might have had the ringing sound in your ears, mm, like mm, mm. Um, people with tinnitus, it's it can be permanent and it's really annoying. Um, and they may be able to get by with their day fine during the day because there's sound and there's distractions. But when you lie down in bed in the silence at night, all you can hear is that noise and it's really annoying. It can make you not sleep. So mm. in which case, a noise machine can be helpful. Mm. However, for, for the rest of us, if you're sleeping in, um, in, a, in your house, in your home, where there isn't lots of external noise, then a noise machine isn't generally a great plan because it's, um, it's adding distraction. Because as we're falling asleep, we're supposed to not have stimulation. You know, there's a reason mm. that we, we turn we have silent bedrooms because as we're falling asleep, we need to not be woken up again. If you're falling asleep with sound on, uh, then it actually can make your sleep lighter and make you wake up more. Lots wow. of people may sleep to you know, rainfall or birdsong or or and that's not too bad. But if you're listening, falling asleep, listening to a podcast or with the television on, mm. that is much more likely to actually be undermining your sleep then rather than helping it generally speaking so it's perception we we think it's actually helping but actually the quality of sleep that night or the time is probably less but we think it's helping us sleep so that's really interesting actually because now I know that if I'm having you know conversations with people I, I never get talk about sleep I'm not a sleep expert but for example if somebody says to me I definitely have trouble sleeping with my role and you know therefore I listen to you know xyz to fall asleep yeah i should take that with a pinch of salt because actually their perception is they're saying that it actually helps them fall asleep but really medically and from a professional point of view is that helpful or yeah so like like, so like a podcast for example the reason people think that it's helpful is because when you're listening to the podcast it's distracting your mind from all the other stuff it might be thinking about without it you might be thinking oh my goodness I haven't done that work project I you know I'm so worried about this or I'm sad about my relationship so you will listen to a podcast which is distracting your mind which is a positive 
However, when you fall asleep, the podcast doesn't stop and then it will disrupt the quality because it might wake you up again. Mm -hmm. And also, when you wake up in the middle of the night, which we all do, if you're used to falling asleep with the podcast on, then at two, three, four in the morning, your brain will want you to put the podcast back on again. So it will oh, wake you up even more. You'll have to find the podcast. Maybe your partner will be like, oh, for goodness sake, stop. You know, it just, it causes more issues. So oh. it's much better to um, figure out a way of quietening the mind at the start of the night um, without needing an external audio to do that, oh. you know, giving you tools and techniques to be able to do that yourself. I think that's really good advice. I think it's, you know, it sounds from what you're saying, it's just better off to just, you know, to, to give your, you know, do without it, give yourself the environment that you need for a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it might take some time, perhaps, I don't know. But, um, you know, with taking time for sleep on that, one of the major, major um, things that are happening right now to people because of the pandemic is routine. You know, mm -hmm. there are there are still people, you know, 18 months is it or nearly two years later yeah. still working from home. Mm -hmm. Their routine is completely out of whack. They find it difficult to switch off. So, you know, it's not a case of, you know, close my laptop at five o'clock, I'm done. They, they have access to work. They're doing work or they're doing it in dribs and drabs. The routine isn't the same as, as it, would, what it would be if they had to go into the office. So therefore... Mm -hmm. They find it difficult to have a sleeping pattern or a sleeping routine. It's not yeah. to say that they're not sleeping, but more they've got, you know, they don't have a routine. But, you know, quite often, I actually recently spoke to somebody who said, I try everything to bring about a routine in my day. I've been at home for nearly two years, but how do I do it? Like, you know, I'm trying to eat good. You know, I, you know, I don't look at screens at night, but how do I figure out a routine? Yeah, definitely. And this is such a common thing. I'm talking to loads of people, going to lots of businesses, um, because this has been a huge impact to sleep. Not only the coronavirus has affected, made people potentially anxious with the whole changes, but physically the day-to-day -day changes. So things that have um, have stopped happening have been people maybe don't leave the house. Mm. People don't have to get up at a certain time to get the train to work, you know, to, to drive to the office then you can get up at two minutes to nine, stick a new shirt on, and there you are, you're ready to go on the Zoom. Um, so people's bedtimes and wake times have become more fluid uh, and they're, they're not getting the light stimulation. You know, we talked about earlier with the shift work, mm. you, you don't get light input every day, then your circadian rhythm can start to get woolly. So mm. even though you don't have to get up at a certain time necessarily because you're working from home, it is really important from a sleep perspective to just get up at a regular time every day, irrespective, even if you don't have to. Um, and to be fair, if you're being really Puritan about it, then seven days a week, it's a good idea to go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time every day, although that's really boring. But mm. if you wanted to have perfect sleep, that would be good because you're having a regular sleep-wake schedule, which is what your circadian rhythm loves. If you think about if you've ever been jet lagged, when we go to bed and wake up at a different time, just think about how hard that is to, to deal with and cope with. Mm. Yet we do that to ourselves. You know, Friday night, Saturday night, we'll go to bed much later and then we'll try and go to bed really early on a Sunday night so we can get up early Monday morning. But in fact, we're just giving ourselves weekend jet lag. And with the coronavirus, it's not been this weekend jet lag. It's been, you know, day-to-day -day jet lag because on a Monday yeah go to bed at two in the morning and wake up at 11 and on a Tuesday you're trying to go to bed at half 10 so you can get up at six and our bodies are not designed to be able to deal with that kind of change basically. yeah and it, it, it's uh you you think when you're in your own environment at home you've got you know you're at you know endless endless resources you know do what you like you're in a safe environment you can you can you know help with the routine you can really try to push yourself a routine but it's hard because humans are at the moment adapting to a completely different way of life and mm -hmm. even those that are going back into the office now or, or have just gone back into the office you know I think they're expected to start working how they did pre-pandemic but you yeah. know their employers would think you know you know what do you mean your productivity is low and you're finding it hard to adjust and you're not sleeping well but actually you know, with everything that we've said today, it's quite clear that scientifically and in, in, in every way, 
humans need that time to adjust and they need the right resources, the right, you know, um, therapies, you know, to, to speak to the right people to help them adjust to different situations and different environments. And, and I hope employers, you know, again, really consider that, you know, not just giving staff resources, but making sure that they've been compassionate and understanding around the fact that, you know, yes, everybody's had to be at home for more than a year. And it's difficult. You can't just jump back, you know, into a routine. And a lot of people did do that. They went from literally from one end of the spectrum of um, having to sit at home every single day to going back in full yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And um, you just think, no wonder it's it's crazy. You know, it's it's not it, it's not it's not doable. In all, in all, you know, everybody's different. Everybody deals with you know lack of sleep differently, or you know stresses differently. And um, yeah, with with a workforce with multiple people it just it just pays to be a bit more compassionate um, and understanding to different people um before we go I think you've given me so much and I know you can go on because your your experience (laughs) your skills and everything is endless um and um I I just I I feel like my my mind has got so many things um (laughs) that I want to ask you um but I, you know, in what the work that I've done, um, I've covered a lot of the things that people have um, asked me or, you know, made mention of. But employers, what is, what can an employer do to help? It, whether they, you know, it's shift work companies or whatever the industry, technology, recruitment, what can employers do to really show their staff they are considering their sleep and that their sleep is valuable sure well I think um uh, education is really important because lots of lots of people that um I see either with proper big sleep issues or, or even just a bit of concerns a lot of times people are worrying about something to do with their sleep that is actually normal and as soon as you start to worry about something excessively then it, you start to become stressed about it it starts to make everything worse so employers especially you know the, one of the big positives to come out of the coronavirus is zoom you know that, that people are accepting of uh, zoom meetings and it means that you mm. can have a webinar in your company you know a lunch and learn for just an hour and educate all the staff about you know why sleep is important what sleep really is and how they can improve their sleep and if you have staff who are really struggling with their sleep at the moment, you know, give them give them some resources, give them some access, and also um, support them if if they if their issue is timing. Maybe they have been used to over the last however long going to bed really late and sleeping in in you know, having flexible working. Maybe look to have some hybrid, you know, some flexible working where they can do the the hours they need to do. But maybe if especially if they're a night owl. Maybe they want to do those hours between 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. or, or whatever, um, rather than forcing it to be a nine to five like it used to be just for the sake of it, because you'll get more productivity out of people if you allow them to be a bit flexible. So, yeah, I would yeah. say give them um, access to uh, to education about sleep um, and not just you know, just generic education, but education with tools and advice and Q&A sessions so that, you know, a lot of times you can help people with their sleep in just a very short amount of time because their questions are often um, quite easy to resolve and, and, and sort out. One of the, the top reasons that people, you know, say they have problems is that because they've got a, a, a sleep tracker like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or a, you know, your phone under the bed. And they'll say to me, this is, you know, if I had a pound for every time someone said this to me, I would be so rich. Uh, oh, can you help me? Because my sleep tracker tells me that I only get 25% deep sleep and I need to get the whole night of deep sleep. Or my sleep tracker tells me that I get, you know, no dreaming sleep all night, no REM sleep. And can you make me get the whole night of REM sleep? And that shows a, a massive misunderstanding of what sleep is. You know, deep sleep is one part of sleep. REM sleep is one part of sleep. Yeah. Um, light sleep. And just like a plate of food, balanced diet, you need some of all the different food groups. You need all the different kinds of sleep. Deep sleep does not equal good sleep. 
people get that deep sleep you know i need a i need a a night full of good deep sleep no you don't (laughs) that would be like i need dinner full of just chicken like that wouldn't be healthy just chicken you need chicken and vegetables and you know you need the The other components yeah absolutely and in reality for an uh, a 21 year old uh 25% deep sleep in the night would be perfect that's amazing as we get older we get less and less deep sleep but if your sleep tracker tells you you had 25% deep sleep lots of people think that means their sleep was only 25% good 75% bad and that's completely wrong I must admit I probably fell into that category and it it just shows there's such a lack of knowledge and Mm -hmm. education around this as a nation you know all of us as a whole we we desperately need you people like you to to teach us to show us exactly what all of that means. Yeah, and it's a trouble because there's there's a lot of half education. This is the problem because you get these sleep trackers and they give you all this information, but they don't tell you what normal is, and that's yeah. the problem, you know. Yeah, it's tools without it's tools, as you said, it's tools, but without the education. Yeah. So we're doing the tool side of it, but actually, the most important part of it, the core of it, is the education because it's you know it's just like a Fitbit that's going to tell me what's happening, but what is what does this actually mean? And that's actually yeah. incredible. Um, anyone that is using a sleep tracker, I would definitely um, suggest that they speak to a sleep expert, you, um, to, to kind of make sense of what all of that means and put a plan together because it's not uh, an individual human being telling you what's good for you. It's just tracking something. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. Um, and I did say that was a kind of the last question, but um, I am have had so many questions submitted um, and I haven't gone through all of them, would be here forever. But somebody asked um, or wanted to know, what's a good sleeping position and does that really matter? Um, it doesn't really matter, but um, if you have sleep apnea and then you struggle, that means you tend to stop breathing during the night, then sleeping on your back isn't great. And if you've ever had a snorer for a partner, uh, you'll know that, that people tend to snore more when they're lying on the back. So side sleeping is better if you have some kind of breathing issues during the night. But um, generally speaking, front sleeping is the least popular. But um, depending on which way you sleep means your mattress needs to match. So it doesn't really matter. There isn't a right way to sleep. But uh, if you are sleeping on your uh, back, for example, but you've got a really soft mattress, then your spine is going to be potentially in a, in the wrong shape so you need to um make sure that your mattress suits your sleeping style and that your pillow your pillow the number of pillows and the hardness of the pillow also suit your sleeping style and your weight because mm. a heavier person will need more support a, you know a firmer mattress than a than a lighter person because they'll be physically pushing the mattress down further so if you um have a mattress and you have put on lots of weight you might need to think about changing that mattress or if you have lost a lot of weight or if you didn't have a bed partner and now you do you might need to readjust that you know the the bed mattress to help you sleep better and and not wake up with back aches and and fidget during the night that's quite interesting actually because um i am just recovering from um, an appendix removal surgery and when I was in hospital um, it wasn't a pleasant experience at all um, but when I was in hospital I had to sleep upright because of how the treat- uh, how the surgery is done there there can be quite a bit of I'm not damaged but it affects the diaphragm and it affects breathing so right. when I returned home I had to adjust my bed massively loads of pillows I don't sleep with loads of pillows at all I literally need one very small flat one so it does go to show what would have worked for someone before is it might be different considering other factors for example like I said weight or surgery or whatever it is so Mm -hmm. you know I actually found I couldn't breathe if I was you know I could only sleep on my back at that point but yeah it's 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 really really good to know that now that you've put that in my mind I'd be really monitoring it. So now I'd think, right, even when I've recovered fully, you know, am I, you know, do I have the right setting yeah. physically? It's not just mm-hmm. a cognitive thing. You know, physically, do I have the right setting? 
you know, is Definitely. my bed okay for me? Um, and I never really thought about that. So thank you. That's incredible. <laughs> never, you never think about these things until you speak to a professional. It's, it's insane. That's all right. Um, yeah. And brings me to the last segment, which is the quick fire round questions. And this one, I catch you off guard, but are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Quick fire round. Yeah. Quick fire round questions. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, massively a night owl. I wish I wasn't, but I am. Going out or staying in? Uh, oh, they're both fun, but going out. Who is your inspiration and why? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, can I be corny and say my husband? Because he's really yeah. lovely. Oh, that's amazing. Why? Oh, because he, uh, well, we, he's put up with me for literally forever. We've been together since we were kids and he's just amazing. Oh, amazing. For or against working from home? Oh, definitely for. I think that's a great thing to have come out of the coronavirus pandemic. Long telephone conversations or WhatsApp messaging? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a WhatsApp person, actually. Yeah, because then people, you don't have to put them on the spot, do you? You can. Um, what book are you reading right now if any oh um actually i'm reading a, a man called ove which is amazing so if you haven't read it read it it's re really good a man called ove it's really good added to my list <laughs> if you could pass one law in the uk that everybody had to follow what would that be oh um Oh, that we have to do some kind of um, voluntary work every year that um, like painting for the you know, shopping for the elderly or, or painting schools. Everyone has to do a certain amount of volunteer work every year. You get more and more incredible by the minute. Last question. Um, what makes you more happy? Money or status? Oh, um, neither. Um I'm not a money motivated person, which again, the whole <clears throat> business model thing sort of shows. Um, <laughs> um, neither. I'm really sorry. Ne neither. Just no, there's no wrong no. answer because it's incredible. These questions are designed to really tap into what you think at the very first thought. And neither is a good answer. Okay, good. Neither is a good answer. Everything is a good answer. Um, Thank you so, so much, Dr. Browning. I have had such an amazing time speaking to you. I cannot believe that, you know, I can learn so much in, what, an hour from someone. It's insane. And I cannot thank you enough for not only, you know, giving me insight, but to everybody listening. And without a shadow of a doubt, it's going to help so many people. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank I'm going to stop the recording there, but I'll obviously, I'm still here. Um, Dr. Browning, oh, my God. I cannot tell you how... Uh, how much I appreciate your time um I know what you're doing is incredible and you know you you, you do what you do and you know it's this is outside of what you're doing so I mean it's been insane and, and I loved your answers for the quick fire round questions <laughs> I think they were good and your husband did that's not a corny answer at all at okay all. good um I mean it's so sweet that you've been with him since you were small you he said. was 14 yeah wow that yeah, doesn't happen like, you don't come across those stories very often nowadays I, I i quite liked him when i was 11 but oh, oh he didn't he didn't notice me so i had to wait a few years oh wow that is incredible uh, do you have you have your children don't you yeah i got two kids oh amazing that's that sounds like a a very amazing love story honestly um i have i've been married not long actually um five years i think now Ooh. Um, so, you know, it's weird because in five years, it still kind of feel like a, well, I do kind of feel like a, a newlywed. It's all a bit bizarre. Maybe because life stopped for the last two years. I'm not sure. But um, how has the pandemic been for you anyway? Is everything kind of changing with your clinics at the moment? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been busy for sure. Because the whole book writing thing was insane. And that, you know, not, uh, well, my husband actually, he has long COVID still. He's been sick for a, oh. a year and a half. So that's it's all right hopefully it'll get better but yeah it's sort of an ongoing thing mm. but yeah oh just, wow uh, and so many people with sleeping issues it's just it's mad it really it, is it's, 
it's so good that this is actually your profession because there's never going to be a time that people don't need help with sleep and life is so ever-changing where it affects sleep in so many different ways so you're always going to need people like you to tell us the rest of us what we need to do and how we need to do it um, because people's lives are changing what your advice is for one person clearly isn't the same for somebody else no. um, and that's where you know I, I don't doubt that you can continue to develop and flourish and yeah you're definitely going to be the person that I recommend when I speak to people um about getting sleep experts in I find that a lot of companies it's so bizarre they're very reluctant to provide anything to staff mm-hmm. I mean nowadays corporate companies think you know providing discount for I don't know top shop if that's still around is, is yeah. enough but it's not you know um, yeah. And sadly, and the is, for very fun. little, you know, for for a one hour, pretty inexpensive seminar, you know, like a pound a person or two pounds a, you know, an employee, you can give them real proper education that will that will help them forever. You know? Yeah, exactly. But the sad thing I find, this is why I'm so passionate about, you know, awareness and um, and things like this, is because a lot of you know times when I speak to the employee side of things. They also are more rude if their company would give them a voucher, you know, off Amazon for 50 quid. While that's amazing and who doesn't like receiving an Amazon voucher, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the short term and the, the, just the mindset of the corporate world. I really, really am so passionate against a lot of it. You know, we, people are built to think that that's OK and that's a business perk and that's a perk of my job. But yeah. really, it's, it, it's not. It should be deeper than that. That's just mm-hmm. scratching the surface. So, yeah, we're going to make a change and you've obviously contributed and you're doing it every day. So thank you so, so much. Um, yeah. Thank you. It's been, it's been lovely. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to stay in touch. Absolutely for sure, because you're going to be my go to person for all things sleep. Oh, awesome. No, thank you. Yeah, it'd be, uh, be nice to have a, a chat to learn all about what you do at some point as well. Yeah, definitely. Right. You take care. I'll let you get back to your admin and your and your patients. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.